Welcome to those online. Merry Christmas to you. Um, did anybody here enjoy worship this morning? Come on, come on. <clears throat> I think I nearly lost my voice. It's feeling quite scratchy after that. I was singing my heart out. But I just, I love that we get to be here and celebrate Christmas together because we, we get to celebrate the birth of our Savior. But the Christmas story is not just a story in the Bible. The Christmas story is the story of the Bible. You see, everything has been building up to this point. Everything in the Bible, everything before is building up to this point when the Savior would be born. Because the Bible, so the Bible is, is uh, made up of many books, but together they tell one story, an incredible love story about a God who loved his children that he came to rescue them. It's about a prince who left his kingdom, his throne, everything, to come and save and rescue the one he loves. And so to understand the true joy of Christmas, we need to hear the whole story. And so today, we're going to go back to the very beginning, and we're going to set the scene for Christmas. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and we're introduced to God, the creator, a powerful being that has always been and always will be, and he creates this beautiful world, and then he creates mankind, humanity, and he um, commissions humanity to rule the world on his behalf. So they're meant to take this beautiful world, they're meant to take the natural resources that God has created and to make something beautiful out of it, to rule alongside God in perfect relationship. And here we see humanity is faced with a choice, and it comes in the form of a fruit tree. And the choice is to trust God, to believe that, that He knows what's best, to trust that he's got our best interests at heart, to trust that in his knowledge of good and evil. Or they could choose to seize power and to rule on their own terms, to, tr to trust their own knowledge, to try and figure this world out for themselves. And at this point, we're introduced to Satan, this evil presence that comes and tempts humanity, mankind. It says, does God really love you? Does he really have your best interest at heart? Do you need God? You could do this on your own. You could be like God. And unfortunately, humanity gives in, and they, they make the wrong choice. And so this beautiful world that God has created is broken. And Mankind is filled with shame as evil enters their hearts. Unfortunately, oh, sorry, but God has a plan. Okay, the story is just getting started. Because remember, our story is about a king who came to save the one, to rescue um, his, his loved one from their brokenness. 
And so God chooses a man called Abraham, and he tells him, I'm going to make you into a great nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. Because God is building a family. So through, through this family, he's going to show himself to the world. He's going to show the world his love, his power, who he is. And through this family, he's going to make this world their perfect home again. And so here, we see the nation of Israel facing a choice. The choice is to trust God and to, to live the way that God um, spells out for them. And he makes it very easy very simple. He gives them clear instructions. Do this. Don't do that. Um, here's a way that you can atone for your sins. He, he gives it to them, everything that they need. And their choice is to, to take it and to, to trust him enough to live that way or to live according to their own idea of how life should be and to live separate from him. And despite God's personal guidance and his hands on provision, or his personal guidance and his provision, they give into this temptation, and they choose to define life on their own. They don't obey God's commands. And so here, we're introduced to the prophets, and the prophets are the men that God chooses to speak through. And they call the people again and again. They tell them, come back to God. Come, do things God's way. Come back to his commands. Live the way that God has has spelled out for you because that is the way that leads to life. But time and again, they fail and they fall away from God. And this family ends up in, 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 or this nation ends up in captivity a few times, oppressed by evil nations who treat them badly. And I've got to think, if they couldn't get it right, then who could? They had a, like 1,700 years to get this right, and yet the world was still broken. They couldn't do it. And I think that's the point of the history of Israel, is that it, it's not possible to work out our own salvation. We need, they need it, and we need a savior. But God's plan is still in action. See, the, the prophets didn't just come to, to call the people back to repentance. They also came to prophesy about a coming Savior. God was going to raise up a new deliverer like Moses, but this time with an eternal kingdom. He was going to raise up a leader who could cover their failures, who could transform their hearts and their minds so that they could make the right choice. And so over a period of about 400 years, through many different prophets at different times, these prophecies about a hero, about a coming king, about a savior were told and recorded. And then these promises were left hanging because for the next 400 years, there was silence. Not a messenger, no prophets, no, messenger, no messages from God, just silence. And generations are born and generations die without seeing the fulfillment of this promise until the time is just right. Everything's ready. And the moment that, that this nation has been waiting for is almost here. Christmas is almost there. And so after 400 years of silence, God sends a messenger 
the angel Gabriel, and he comes to tell of two babies that are being born. And the first baby is a prophet. And we read in Luke 1, 11 to 17, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Standing to the right of the incense altar, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit before he's even born. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of God. So here, after 400 years, Zechariah gets the news that, that he, firstly, in his old age, is going to have this child, and secondly, that this child is going to be the next prophet, the first prophet, that they haven't, they haven't had one in ages, that he's going to be a prophet, and he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. The Messiah is coming. The time has arrived. And then the second baby, the Messiah, the Savior, that they've been waiting for. In Luke 1, verse 30 to 33, it says, Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. This is the savior that they've been waiting for, a king that was prophesied about a king that's going to come whose reign will never end. And so the time comes for the first baby to be born. And at his birth, his father is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gives this prophecy. It's from Luke 1, 67 to 79. It says, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so that we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And then he looks to his new baby and he says, and you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. You see, God was fulfilling his promises that he had made to Abraham and to the nation of Israel. All the prophecies and the promises that the Israelites were holding onto were about to come true. God was sending a savior to show humanity that there's a different way to live. There's a different way to do life. And then Christmas comes, and Jesus is born. 
And in Luke 2, verse 8 to 14, we read about the shepherds. And it says, that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and radiance, the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And then suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So the Messiah is born. The moment they've all been waiting for, for over 800 years since the first prophecy, the moment comes, King Jesus is born. And here, the hero enters our story. And God's plan starts unwrapping. But it continues. Okay, these two babies grow up. John becomes a great prophet, and the people are so filled with joy at the news that there is a new prophet. There's somebody, God is speaking to his people again. And his message is that there is a new kingdom at hand. There is a, a, a new way to do life. And we need to prepare our hearts for the coming king. And so many repent and turn back to God and are, being, are, are baptized. Their hearts are prepared for Jesus, for Jesus coming, for Jesus' teachings. And then Jesus himself gets baptized. In Luke 3, 21 to 22, it says, one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And as he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. I always think God's like a proud father there, just saying, this is my son. I'm so proud of him. He brings me great joy. But this is also significant because people saw that. People heard that. Some of the disciples were most likely there or heard about this. And so I always, I always think, like, how did Peter and John just drop their whole lives and follow Jesus? Like, who was this guy? But, but they knew this is what the, what the prophet had, had done. This is what was said over Jesus at his baptism. And after his baptism, the Holy Spirit then leads Jesus into the wilderness where he faces the same temptation that Adam and Eve did in the garden, okay? Satan tempts him with lies. You can rule this world on your own terms. You can be great. But he's able to resist those lies and to defeat Satan in that moment. And by doing this, he proves his viability as a holy sacrifice, worthy and able to take away the sins of the world. And so the next story we read is of Jesus in Nazareth going into the temple on Sabbath. And they hand him, he stands up to read, and they hand him a scroll from Isaiah. And, he, in, and in Luke 4, verse 14 to 20, we read, what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
And he closes the scroll and he hands it back and he goes to sit down and everybody's just looking at him. And he says to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled. Because you see, Jesus came to set the oppressed free. But the Israelites or the nation of Israel were, were expecting the Savior to come and just to set them free from the oppression of the Romans. They thought they, that the Savior was going to come and, and restore the nation of Israel and, and, the, and Jerusalem to its former glory. But God's plan was so much bigger than that. God didn't just come to save one nation from an oppression of another nation. God came to, to, to free all humanity, to set all humanity, humanity free from, the, from oppression of the, the true enemy, the evil one, Satan, that we met in the garden. He came to break the hold of sin and death that humanity had, that Satan had on humanity. And so this, this is the true joy of Christmas. And the story goes on to say Jesus spends the next three years of his life teaching about the definition, God's definition of good and evil. And he teaches about this upside down world where the first will be last and it's better to give than to receive. And blessed are those who are humble and meek. And he starts, he starts building a new family, the church. And then he gives his life as a sacrifice for our sins, fulfilling the prophecies and making it possible for our sins to be forgiven. And now there's a new choice. All humanity, you and I, are faced with a choice. And this choice is represented by a different tree, the cross. We choose to trust God, to follow Jesus and base our lives on his teachings, to, to trust in his definition of what is good and what is evil, or we choose to live life the way we want to, on our own terms, with our own defining um, evil and good and evil in our, own, in our own terms. And so we each need to make that choice. But the story isn't over yet. You see, we've been restored, we've been restored, and our relationship has been restored with God, but our world is still broken. There's still death, there's still sadness, there's still hurt, there's still pain, because they're still a part of the prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled. We still have a promise to hold on to, because Jesus is coming back. And this, this is our promise, and this is our source of joy. You see, the New Testament carries on, um, and it's, it's writings that encourage us to stay faithful to God and, and to hope in a day where he is going to come and return. And the Bible ends pointing us towards that day in the future when all wrongs will be made right, where evil will be completely eradicated, where there will be no more pain, there will be no more sin, there will be no more hurt, there will be no more sadness. Heaven and earth will be united and we will be able to rule with God in perfect relationship the way that he intended it from the beginning. And so on Christmas today, as we celebrate, we get to celebrate the gift that was given to the world. And we get to celebrate Jesus and his life and all that he lived and all that he taught. And we get to celebrate his sacrifice and what he did for us on the cross. And we get to, we get to celebrate his victory over sin and death on the other side of the grave through his resurrection. But the greatest gift is still to come. 
for a while he wore strips of clothing and was wrapped in a manger at his first coming. When he comes back, his second coming, he's going to be wearing a white robe and riding on a white horse. And he's going to come victorious to put an end to evil. He's going to come to put this world back together, to fix our broken world once and for, once and for all. And that, that is the joy that we have this Christmas. And so let's celebrate Jesus. Let's celebrate his, his birth. But let's also celebrate and, and have joy for, for Jesus coming back. Because when we look at our lives, it doesn't always look like there's great stuff. Or it doesn't look like, like, like God, where's the, where's the world you promised? Where's the life you promised? It's coming. It's coming. So let's have joy. So I want to end today... The worship team's going to come up, and we're going to sing joy to the world again. Um, Rasa read Psalm 98 at the beginning, and this, this song is actually based um, partly on that psalm. And it's not actually written as a Christmas song. It's actually written in light of Jesus' second coming. It's written as, as when the king comes, meaning when Jesus comes back again, let's prepare our hearts for his, re his return. It's saying, let's, let's have joy, let's sing with, with the oceans, with the trees, with nature, as nature cries out to God, let us cry out with joy. We have so much to be grateful for today. We have so much to be joyful about. So church, don't you wanna stand one last time? And let's just give our God praise and glory and honor and let's, let's joyfully sing to him.